0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Episode 120 of That One Time On Tour is brought to you by the band Havoc Faction. Havoc Faction is a post-apocalyptic, vigilante-themed concept band with roots in post-hardcore and melodic hard rock. The band has a whole story that coincides with their music with an official comic book and mobile game that is in the works. For fans of Starset, Thrice, The Veer Union, and Story of the Year. For more information on Havoc Faction, you can find them on all of the streaming platforms as well as Instagram at Havoc underscore faction. Now here it is, their new single, Dark Passenger.
0: What's up, everybody? I am Finn McCanty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me,
1: Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy. And I unpack
0: exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there.
2: Hey, this is Tim from Protest the Hero, and you're listening to that one time on tour.
1: Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, this is Chris Swinney, and I am your host for that one time on tour. If this is your first time joining me, this is my podcast where I get to talk to all kinds of cool people in the entertainment industry, and we always have a stellar conversation. So how is everybody doing out there? The virus cases are slowly going down. I'm sure you've heard about that. I've also heard a bunch of stuff about the death rate going up. So I guess you take the good and you take the bad, right? I don't know. Uh, we've been home now for about a week from our little vacation. And uh, we've actually, everyone in the Swinney household has had a pretty bad cold. So uh, I wouldn't say it's COVID. I'm not sure if it is or not, but uh, we're we're on the mend. We're all feeling a lot better. And back into the normal swing of things, you know, like getting this podcast out every week to your ear holes. That's what I'm trying to do. So uh, I have an announcement. It's pretty cool. I am signing a lease tomorrow on a new music studio. Uh, It's actually a teaching studio, but I'll have some recording gear there as well. Here in my hometown of Muncie, Indiana, I am starting my own business. I'm, I'm branching out for guitar lessons and anything with strings Uh, in the name of the business is called Midwest Music Mentors and I think it's going to be really cool I'm very excited to do this I'm I'm taking most of my students that I had before previously with me to this new spot and if you're listening and you're in the Muncie area which I know we have a pretty big listener base around the central Indiana area and you want some guitar lessons hit me up Uh, I do have to get like the okay from the health department and everything but with uh COVID looking like maybe it's getting a little bit better. Hopefully this will work out, but uh, I just, I felt like finally just doing it. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have my own place, my own business. It's going to be awesome. So if you're in the area and you want some lessons, hit me up Christopher Swinney at gmail.com or TOTOT podcast at gmail.com. And if you want lessons, but you are far away from here, you are nowhere close to Muncie, Indiana. You can always hit me up and we will do some remote lessons. Like I said, Christopher Swinney at gmail.com or TOTOT podcast at gmail.com. And we will get it going today on the program. It's a good one. Mr. Tim MacMiller from Protest the Hero. It's a lot of fun, man. Tim is such a good dude. Tim hit me up. I had roadie from Protest the Hero on uh, last year sometime. And Tim hit me up and he's like, hey, man, I really like the show. Uh, do you think I could come on? I'm like, hell yeah, man. I love Protest the Hero. I've listened to them, you know, since their first record on Vagrant. It's been a really long time. I met him a couple of times. They're all really good dudes. And Tim came on the show and we had a blast. We talked all kinds of cool stuff. They have a new record out right now called Palimpsest and it rips man it's on all the streaming sites you can get vinyl over at their website or just just google protest the hero and you will find it but it's it's amazing i mean they ne- they've never put out anything that i did not like but tim and luke's guitar work on the new record is so good rody kills it like always on the vocals i mean it's there's no weakness in that band and yes i sound like a fanboy because i am a fanboy i love protest the hero So go check it out. Definitely a quality album for this weird time that we're in. If you need some new music, go check out the new Protest the Hero record, Palimpsest, okay? Okay. Now, before we get to my conversation with Tim, I do have to tell you about my awesome sponsors that help keep the lights on here at that one time on tour. The band at the beginning, Havoc Faction. Shout out to Kyle from Havoc Faction. This is like the third or fourth time they've sponsored an episode I love you guys. Thank you so much. You guys can check them out on all of the streaming platforms as well as Instagram at Havoc underscore faction. Thank you guys. They also sent me a really cool tank top last year and I wear it all the time. So thank you very much to Kyle and all the guys in Havoc Faction. James Devlin Art. James is a designer and he needs to do some art for you. Check him out at jamersdesign.com. Last but not least, Partscasterconcierge.com. My buddy Gary builds guitars, consults on guitars, and does anything that you need done with guitars. So hit him up at partscasterconcierge.com and tell him that I sent you. Maybe he'll give you a good deal. You never know. If you have a company or a band and you want to sponsor an episode or two, hit me up. Like I said on all the socials at T O T O T Podcast, or you can email me, T-O-T-O-T podcast at gmail. If you want some bonus content from your favorite podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast and get involved over there. I would like to give a shout out to our two Patreon producers, Mr. Bob Foster from Hemet, California, and Mr. John Exton from Stafford, England. Thank you guys so much for the support. If you guys don't want to get involved on like a monthly thing, like a tier where you're paying me money monthly because the show's free. So it's kind of weird, but it does help out. You can also just send a one-time donation to the Venmo is at Christopher Swinney. That is C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. The free way to help the show out. And I would rather everybody do this anyway over the money thing. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. It goes such a long way to help us out. Thank you so much if you've already done that. So a couple more shout-outs, and then uh, we'll get into some awesome news. So I'd like to give a shout-out to Sarah over at Road Dog Supply for all the hard work on the brand-new TOTOTpodcast.com. It's up right now. Go check it out. We have new merchandise and all kinds of cool stuff, so check that out also want to give a shout out to my bros at the Punk Rock Dads Facebook group over on, you Cast it, Facebook. (laughs) You can also uh, check out the TOTOT Community Facebook group. You should join both. If you're a Punk Rock Dad, join the Punk Rock Dads Facebook group. But if you listen to this podcast, you should totally be in the TOTOT Community Facebook group. I like it. It's cool. We get to bounce ideas off each other and do all kinds of cool stuff. So check both of those groups out and shout out once again to my punk rock dad's Facebook group guys out there. Thank you guys so much for the support. Um, Every time I post something in there, you guys just jump all over it. So I thank you so much for, you know, I appreciate you guys. It's really cool to be a part of a community like that. And last but not least, I got to tell you guys some news. So this podcast that you're currently listening to has a new home. We are now a part of the sound talent media podcast network, and uh, we could not be more stoked to be a part of this new network. You can check out any more information that you need on the network at soundtalentmedia.com. You can also check out sound talent media on all of the socials at STM podcasts. Uh, It's a great network. It's a, it's a new network that just started, but, um, So many great shows. Join me on the network. You've got the pure pleasure podcast with my buddy Dewey. You've got Chris DeMakes, a podcast with Chris DeMakes from less than Jake, the punk rock NBA with Finn McKinty. That's an awesome podcast. You got to check that out. Dark blue with Jeff Rickley from Thursday. And so many more. I could not be more stoked to be a part of this network. And I see huge things in the future, not only for this program, but for the network as a whole. So thanks to everybody over at Sound Talent for letting me be a part of it. And uh, here's to the future. So check it out. Soundtalentmedia.com. Okay, so we are going to get into a TOTOT radio segment. Cue the theme music. Radio, radio, radio. On this edition of TOTOT Radio, uh, I wanted to I wanted to do a new segment. So I got on the TOTOT community Facebook group, and I told you guys to call the hotline and tell me about meeting one of the guests I've had on the program. And uh, I got a lot of responses, and this was one of the really cool ones that I thought I was going to play. So uh, I'm going to play a voicemail, and uh, I'll just let you guys check it out. So here it is.
3: Hey, Chris. Um, it's brett from edmonton alberta um big fan of your show uh love listening to it always super excited when a new episode drops um you had asked for stories about meeting um, people who you've had on your show so i thought i'd share one uh about meeting chris Rowe. so anybody who knows me knows i'm a huge descendants and all fan kind of traveled all over to to see them um so in 2008 all was headlining Riot Fest in Chicago. So I flew down with my wife and uh obviously went to the show. There were a few kind of shows um surrounding the festival as well that I went to and it was a super fun weekend. And so anyway the night all was playing. Um, I was standing in the crowd anxiously waiting for them to go on and this guy kind of bumps into me and I turn around and it's Chris Rowe from the Atari. So I'm like, hey uh, I'm a big fan of your band and we kind of got chatting. I kind of found out that night he's a huge fan too. And so we kind of got like nerding out about all and Descendants. And anyway, just had kind of a really cool, normal chat. Um, anyway, show started and Chris kind of taps me on the back and kind of uh, points upwards, like lift me up, man. So I helped boost him up. He crowd surfed all the way to the front of the show and that was it. So anyway, that's my uh, my story about meeting somebody who's been on your show again. Thanks for everything you're doing. Um, Yeah. Looking forward to more episodes. Take care. Bye.
1: So, yeah, thank you so much, Brett from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I've been in your, your beautiful city many, many times. And I I appreciate you listening all the way up there in Edmonton. And yeah, Chris Rowe on, on the, on tour a lot in the van. We used to listen to all and, and the descendants. That was a band that, that Chris and I both shared a love and a passion for. And uh, yeah, they're, they're amazing, man. That's so cool that you got to meet him. Because uh, I mean, a lot of people, you know, big bands, small bands, whatever, you don't expect them to just be standing there watching a band with you. I, that was one thing that really freaked me out when uh, I was with the Ataris and we did the main stage at Warp Tour. Back in 2009, I'm, I'm standing there watching Bad Religion from the side stage and I glance around me and there's like Fat Mike and El Jefe and the guys from Thrice and the guys from Under Oath. And I'm just like, what world am I living in where not only am I watching Bad Religion from the side stage, but all of these people that I love and respect are standing around me taking pictures and stuff. So it's awesome when you when you kind of see that. I remember one time also I was watching No Effects from the sound booth on Warp Tour. And some guy tapped me on the shoulder and wanted to know what time it was, and it was Matt Skiba crazy i mean so i'm I'm right there with you when you see people you know watching bands, but you gotta realize, man, guys like chris Rowe, they love bands like the descendants man, like that's that's a band that i that really made Chris want to play music back in the day, especially and then all I mean. For me, it's one big band. I I celebrate their entire catalog, the Descendants and all. But um, I've played a lot of Atari stuff on this program. So I'm going to play something different. You guys were watching All. I'm going to play an All song. And uh, I had Scott on the show. I'm hoping to have Dave Smalley on the show. And uh, this guy singing this song, Chad Price. I'm hoping to get him on the show as well. Maybe this will help. Maybe he'll hear this and he will go, I want to go on Chris's show. So I am going to play one of my favorite all songs that Chad did. Well, he was for his, you know, tour in the band. I'm going to play a million bucks. It's from their record pummel. And I hope you guys enjoy it. This goes out to you, Brett. Thank you so much for listening, man. I appreciate the support. Here it is all with million bucks. <laughs>
4: Everybody says they want a million bucks But I'd rather have a million days with you My account doesn't go that high It doesn't mean you have to say goodbye to me I can't promise you a million bucks But I can promise that I'll be good to you Everybody wants a million bucks But I'd rather have a million days with you Day one, we go fishing Dollar movies on day two. Before we spend in bed The side A million days with you would we'll go by much too fast I've got a million ways To make our friendship last I've got a million ways Everybody says they want a million bucks But I'd rather have a million days with you My account doesn't go that high It doesn't mean you have to say goodbye to me Five, we would ride our bikes, camping on a day, day seven and eight, I'd show you how much I love you A million days with you, would go by much too fast I've got a million ways, to make our friendship last I've got a million ways, everybody says they want a million bucks but I'd rather have a million days with you My account doesn't go that high It doesn't mean you have to say goodbye to me I can't promise you a million bucks But I can promise that I'll be good to you Everybody wants a million bucks But I'd rather have a million days with you A million days with
1: you A billion days with you So there it was million bucks by all. Once again, thank you, Brett from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada for leaving me a voicemail and telling me about meeting my buddy, Chris Rowe at an all show. Uh, That's it for the intro guys and girls. I'm sure you're sick of hearing me ramble. So I'm going to get right into my conversation with Tim from protest. The hero. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Tim from Protest the Hero. What is going on today, Tim? Oh, not too much. A regular day over here. And you're in uh, Whitby, Ontario still? No, uh, I'm in Scarborough, Ontario. Scarborough. I, I know Scarborough well. I, uh, I was talking when Rhodey was on the show. I, I kind of let him know that I'm an honorary Canadian because I used to tour with The Reason all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. That's awesome. I, I've heard you, and you seem to know Canada pretty well. So I spent impressive. a lot
1: of time in Canada, man. I, I've done pretty much every province and two uh, territories over there. Yeah.
2: Wow, you've done the territories. That's better than that's better than I've done. I I've been to Ye- Yellow
1: Knife and all that stuff, oh. man. I'm dying to go. It's pretty cool, man. There's actually, I don't know if uh, if you're a fan or not, there's a, a documentary the White Stripes did where they went up and they played for First Nations communities up in the territories. It's really, really cool.
2: Okay, cool. I know there's like a few, uh, few festivals up there in the summertime. And there's one called Folk on the Rocks um, where it's like I always thought that would be cool to kind of go do. I think there's Dawson City Music Festival as well. Um, but I just didn't know how... Well, we'd blend in with uh with a bunch of folk bands and stuff like that. But
1: be <laughs> I think it would be pretty. Forgiving. It would be pretty good. I know you guys have this love affair with Newfoundland. You have you know the song "Mist" that you guys wrote about that and your love of playing out there. I've been to Newfoundland oh, yeah. many times, and I've got to say I share that love with you guys. The people in Newfoundland Newfoundland were always like just the nicest people I've ever met.
2: Yeah, it's definitely it's got this like magical magical quality about it, and it just for For me, it was we were still in Canada, but it just seemed different, and there was just such a like a hosp, hospitable attitude there and just it was just a a li- little bit different than the rest of Canada, but in this like very uh unique and genuine way
1: and I know you know from speaking to Rody and just other people that are in bands, bands don't get there very often, so I think maybe that's why they appreciate it more when bands do and then they make return trips as you guys have done, and you did a video there and everything
0: yeah
2: for sure and it kind of goes either one of two ways where it's like people are like so starved for music that they come out and if anyone comes they'll just come out because it's a show and they don't don't know when the next one's going to be and then uh or just people don't care and it's just really hard but there it just seemed it was so crazy that like we were so far away and it's like from being in toronto and in a place we'd never gone and we saw this like exponential growth that we could go there once and the next time was like surprisingly a lot better and then you know we could keep going and it kept getting better and better for us so it was just yeah, it was, it was cool to go there and get that love being so far away from
1: toronto well it's, it's cool like i uh i do the analytics thing on this podcast i can see where people are listening from and we actually have a fairly large listener base out in Newfoundland. So what's up to all the Newfies out there? I just wanted to say hi. <laughs>
2: yeah. The, the Newfoundlanders, they're, they they know how to be fans. Yeah. And they don't phone it in. They're not like kind of like half ass fans. Like they, they do a good job of the things that they like for sure.
1: <laughs> awesome. So we've gotten done with our, our love of Newfoundland. So I want to know, I've been asking my, my guests at the top of the program every week, you know, we're in this pandemic You are in Canada. I'm in the United States. The United States kind of historically has not handled things well and we are going back up. They're locking things down. How is it affecting you and what, how is it currently where you are located?
2: Yeah, I guess the, the one thing that the Canadians tend to do is we look at the U S and we kind of like get this smug grin on our face and feel like we're up on our high horse. And it's like, I don't know, you know, in comparison, we've done maybe a lot better handling it, but we're getting to a point now where things are opening back up. And, and yeah, I'm personally worried about kind of going, locking it back down and how to navigate that. Um in Ontario, uh, most of the cases are usually in and around the Toronto area. So that's where I am. That being said, I think there's like, in Ontario, there's anywhere between 100 and 200 a day. Yeah. So when you see something like in Florida, there's like 15,000 in a day, and then 200 in a day, it seems smaller, but that's still a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so it's it seems to be going okay. Things are opening up. We I was just um, in Ottawa area, and that things are even more open up there. So it's kind of slowly transitioning back to that. Um, but. I, I think it's it's going to still be a while till kind of like the normal returns, or maybe there won't be a normal; it'll just be the new normal. I,
1: I feel very strange with a U.S. passport right now because I I like to travel quite a bit. Like it's been a little bit harder now that I have two toddlers and uh, I'm not playing music full time. But just the idea that I can't get in my car and drive three hours to Windsor and go across the bridge makes me very upset right now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely strange. Even the idea of like traveling within the country too, right? Like I'm sure you can, but there's probably some places that are locking down borders and stuff like that. And I think something that you and I may have taken for granted where it's like you're crossing borders all the time or crossing state lines. And especially when you're in Europe, you go to sleep and wake up in a new country. (laughs) Like just the freedom that we, we kind of had taken for granted you know, living in like a touring lifestyle. It's like, that's completely out
1: the window right now. Well, yeah. And like, that's the thing. I I watch all these shows, like 90 day fiance and all these people that their, their dream is to come to America. And it's like your passport. I mean, when I was touring with the Ataris and different bands, you know, we would go to places where other people from other countries couldn't go because we had a United States passport and the whole idea that like, I can't get on a plane and go to Ireland right now. It really freaks me out. And I hope that things will change because other than touring, just travel my whole life has been a huge part of my life. And to know that I can't go to these places that I want to go to because I live in a country that's not handling a pandemic well is very frightening for me.
2: Sure. Yeah. That's a good point. And I never really thought of that. Um, That, yeah, you kind of feel like you're tainted people like, oh no, you're from America. And you know, I'm sure it's, it's a bias and, you know, people kind of have that that fear when they think, but yeah, I, don't know. I think that's a good point. And uh, yeah, I think right for the next little while, it's going to be a lot of like traveling and discovering new places that are close to you, right?
1: <laughs> that's what we're trying to do right now. We're like, we should go to Lake Michigan. I've never thought of going there before, but we should go because it's the only place close that looks like a beach, you know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone else everyone else is thinking the same thing too, right? So you yeah. get there and it's a zoo.
1: <laughs> I was going to tell you, uh, Rodi and I talked quite a bit about, you guys went to South Africa. I went to South Africa with the Ataris. One thing that kind of a correlation between what we're talking about, when we were there, our tour manager actually said, if anybody asks where you're from, say you're from Canada, don't say you're mm-hmm. from the United States. So I told a lot of people in South Africa that I was from Toronto. So I thought that was kind of funny.
2: Okay, and you have the knowledge that you can definitely BS it. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I felt that it was kind of a thing sometimes too, where like p- people that were like backpacking in Europe sometimes they'd like sew a Canadian flag <laughs> on their backpack or something like that to like, you know, not pretend they're not from the, the U.S. But I don't know. I, I didn't notice that in South Africa that there were there was. I think like- it was a
1: precaution because at the time we were there, it was uh, I don't know. There was something going on, and, and there was some some you know beef with the U.S. I'm not sure I remember one time in G- in Germany a guy wanted to fight me because he thought I was from the U.S. and I I made him believe that I was from Montreal
0: okay <laughs> and he was totally <laughs> cool awesome. with me
1: after that so yeah but, that's
2: that's so stupid that like someone like like I'm from this country you're like okay cool yeah. but <laughs> that's ridiculous <laughs> we
1: were we were in a, God, where were we at we were in uh Rimouski Quebec one time and we stayed with this girl and uh, she was like, "Are you guys American?" And she was like, "Way against George Bush at the time." And I was like, "No, we're from Ontario." And then she got mad because she didn't like people from Ontario either. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, there's, there's uh, in the in Quebec a lot of the times, and and I get it because like a lot of people in Ontario can't speak French and they come to a French province and they're speaking English. And you know, sometimes I try to be polite and try to you know speak French, and I can't do a very good job of it, but they'll respond to you in English. <laughs> yeah. So it's...
1: I mean, and, and like uh, in interior Quebec too, like up North, like Rimouski and Sherbrooke and those places, like there was a lot of times when I was, I tried to speak French. I took four years in high school, but I I'm not very good. I'm sure you're probably better than I am.
2: Yeah. It's funny though. We take it in school. Like we have to take it uh, in grade four up until grade nine and i think i did grade 10 french as well my dad was a french teacher um but so there was always like pressure a little bit of pressure to take languages and stuff like that but you know that's six years of studying it and i feel like i can't like i know words and i have vocabulary but i don't know how to like properly like have conversational french which is surprising
1: Okay, so we, we see these always go on tangents. I, I love talking about Canada. I feel like, like I told Rodi, I've told a lot of other people from Canada, I feel like an honorary citizen. I, I've done, you know, poutine is one of my favorite meals. <laughs> I, can't, yeah. it, I can't get good poutine down here. I have to try to make it myself. So,
2: okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I, from what I've heard, I, I feel like you definitely qualify as an honorary Canadian.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So, uh, I want to talk about this new record that you guys have right out of the gate and then you know we'll get to, to some other stuff as well but uh, it's palimpsest is that how you say it palimpsest yeah pa- palimpsest palimpsest yeah. and yeah. you guys did the last record you know historically you did this crowdfunding thing you weren't sure if people were going to be into it and then all of a sudden within a day or two you guys were three times what you wanted how did this record go down are you guys working with a label or i didn't see anything about a new crowdsourcing kind of thing like how did you guys go about recording this and funding it
2: so yeah we paid for the entire record ourselves um it was spread out over a pretty long period um so we were you know fortunate to be able to kind of foot the bill uh, for the record also we're really lucky in canada there's uh grant programs and we got two grants um one of the grants it sucked we had to pay some of it back because like there's a time limit on it (laughs) um and that was the problem with with both of the grants is like we kept extending the timeline for the record especially uh with roadie having issues with his voice and um so we were able to pull in at the end of the day, get all the grant paperwork done and filed. And yeah, so we're very lucky to live in Canada and have that, that program where they, they're supportive, you know, of Canadian artists. So that definitely helped kind of flip the bill a little bit. Um, But yeah, I I think we've always been very strong believers that we want to invest in ourselves and that investment will pay off. We, we kind of believe in the band and uh, I think we have a bit of a track record that we know, uh, in the past, our records have been successful. So it's like, if you're putting the money up front, usually you'll get it back when you when the record comes out. Um, yeah, so that was a big thing. And, and instead of crowdfunding this time, uh, we partnered up with Sheet Happens, which uh, is a company that Luke and I started. Uh, you know, I'm kind of like a silent partner in that company now, and it's like Luke, Luke's baby. Uh, but they wanted to do the pre-order and fulfillment Uh, for the record and so that instead of doing like a crowdfunding and doing it through a third party we just did all all of it through sheet happens
1: and that that is a it's a transcription company right i know you guys have done stuff with like propaganda i think i saw something with hot water music do you are you a part of that like transcribing stuff or are you just like a partner in like the business side of it
2: so when it started uh i was like the main
4: transcriber (laughs) um that
1: sounds and, so tedious man
2: yeah i i think it was for like the first couple books like then we got in the habit of like doing our own tabs kind of as we like wrote music so it wasn't so bad um but we even i we're we look back on some of the first releases because the first releases were the the first like uh kazaya and fortress albums and we just re-released the fortress album uh tab book and apparently there was a ton of corrections and stuff like that so it wasn't great at the start but uh yeah it started off with kind of like luke overseeing the projects of getting the tabs into book format and marketing and stuff like that and i would do some transcribing and some of the the business uh like administration stuff like that um so now you know i'm kind of completely out of the picture with that i kind of moved on Uh, to focus on some other avenues uh but yeah they're they're doing tab books for a lot of bands also kind of getting into vinyl um and then other like trinkets like strings and custom picks and they can do some really nice prints and you know kind of merchandise but it's all kind of based around uh music guitar and drums and kind of in the progressive punk metal that kind of genre
4: bowie dylan marley
1: So with this new record, you know, coming out, is it going to be distributed again by Razor and Tie? Because I know you guys on the last record, you guys did it crowdfunding on your own, but then you did sign a distro deal just to get it out into stores and whatnot. I mean, I don't even know if stores are a thing anymore. But are you guys working with them again?
2: No. So I don't think Razor and Tie is even a thing anymore because we deal with Concord Music now for that stuff. Um, but no, we're like PTH is doing the all the digital distribution. Um, we're lucky. Our manager used to work for a label, and now he can just help us do all the, the distro stuff. And it seems pretty straightforward. With you know, we use TuneCore, um, but that will service it pretty much everywhere. Um, in outside of Canada and the US, we still have a agreement with a label called Spine Farm. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's a pretty casual relationship. Like I feel like. We're not really in touch with them much. They're not in touch with us. It's They kind of do their thing and whatever. And we kind of focus all the energy on the stuff. And Sheet Happens she Happens is going to do all the physical products. And yeah, we don't really have any physical distribution in stores. Um, that's something I've always felt like would be nice to do, but it doesn't... I don't know if it is worth it to do
1: it and anymore, man. I mean, like, I'll tell you, I would love to, you know, get, get it on vinyl and I might order it anyway on vinyl, but I've just listened to everything on Spotify now. And I, I, it's kind of weird. I've not bought a CD for literally a decade.
2: Yeah, not for sure.
1: So, I mean, I, I love to have physical stuff, but yeah, I mean, those labels and all that stuff, they just take some of your money. I think you guys doing everything, you know, getting acquainted with the crowdfunding thing, I'm sure that there was probably a lot of the stuff you guys had to fulfill, which was probably harder work than you were imagining. Like I think on the documentary, I I remember like having to send out postcards to everybody and like do all this crazy stuff that had to do with fulfilling the, whatever you get for the crowdfunding, but just doing everything in house and not having to deal with a label and all that, it must be kind of freeing. Does it feel pretty, pretty good to be able to do it on your own?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I think um the thing we wanted to do with this record was that the crowdfunding was a huge learning curve. And we wanted to if we felt like we could still do the fulfillment of stuff at, you know, kind of delegating that to Luke and making that his world. But um we felt like we could have another chance to like do it properly. Cause it was mismanaged a little bit just because it was so much and you know we have come a long way as people and like know how to kind of manage stuff like that a little bit better now. Um, But yeah, it it is freeing and I, I feel like the payoff is yeah, just like believing in yourself and we don't particularly need someone to be going around and marketing for us and we're not on the radio and like, we don't need that capacity from, from a label. I think it would, it would be cool to kind of, have a a home where you can have some camaraderie with other bands and kind of like get that cool stamp of approval being on like a cool label. Um, but for us, the trade-off has never been worth it. Like financially, if we do it ourselves and kind of act like a lone wolf, it, it always works out in our favor.
1: Well, talking about that, like the marketing and the ways that you push a new record with this pandemic, there's no touring, which I know you guys tour all the time. Uh, what are your ideas as far as marketing it or trying to reach new fans? I mean, I know you guys have a rabid fan base, so a lot of that stuff is kind of obsolete, like we were just talking about, but how are you guys planning on kind of in these COVID-19 times trying to like push this record?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't really have an answer for you we, we, and we haven't really had much of a discussion about it. And I think um, it's definitely a weakness of, ours to kind of set goals of like how are we going to grow outside of what we have now and it's like we have a pretty solid foundation but there's always a ton
0: of room for growth um and yeah we don't have a a plan i think um
2: trying to like it's been really hard to try to like drive attention back to the record now that it's out like i feel like what do we do now like do we start, start writing the next record or do we like start like trying to do media and like, here's a, here's me playing a riff from the album, go check out the album. Like how many times do you say, Hey, our new album's out, go check it out, go check it out. And we kind of live in a world where you have to do that to kind of like stay afloat because people miss stuff all the time.
1: Well, I, I well, I tell you, I, I really enjoy the playthrough videos of you that I've seen the one where you were eating the pizza was pretty good. Yeah, you saw that. <laughs> well, I think that's something that I've always really liked about you guys. You know, I've been listening since the first record, or I mean, I guess the first record on Vagrant on uh, Kazaya That was the okay. first one I yeah, got. Yeah. But uh, what I've always liked about you guys in any of the videos or in any of the social media stuff or whatever, you you guys don't take yourselves that seriously. The music, of course, you take seriously. And it's so intense and it's so precise and it's progressive. And I love that because I'm a metal guy as well as a punk guy. But Mm. I just love the sense of humor you guys have. And that shines through. And it seems like it's all of you. It doesn't just seem like it's like one guy. Like every time I see any of you guys in an interview or a video or anything, it seems like there's this collective kind of sense of humor with all of you guys.
2: Yeah, I think just that's always been our attitude and we spent so much time together, but it was always like we wanted to have our craft be serious and be taken seriously, but we weren't very serious when we were on tour and playing shows and stuff like that. And I think that culture has kind of been cultivated uh, within the van. I was going to ask you, are you a Paul Gilbert fan?
1: I am. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't put him in like my top five, but definitely my top 10.
2: Yes. Yeah, but I feel like I used to watch his instructional videos and he would always have that attitude of just like doing something a little bit goofy, but just completely shredding. But like he would just like green screen, like someone stirring a stir fry behind him while he's like doing something or have like tassels on his guitar and like just kind of take the edge off what you're doing and not make it this like very super ultra serious thing. And I think for me, I kind of can relate to that. And it's like, I just have a hard time kind of like mean mugging the camera and like playing a riff. And
1: well, and that's the thing. I mean, the, you guys are a progressive kind of metal punk, whatever you want to call it. It's It's got so many elements, but I would think that you would probably be grouped with people that like just traditional metal heavy kind of stuff. And that's such a macho, like don't smile like we're serious like the devil you know like i, I feel like yeah. when you guys are kind of more lighthearted, and other bands like when you watch kill switch engage on stage they're having a blast they're smiling adam's mm. wearing a cape and shit like they're not they're not mean on stage i almost feel like it sets you apart from the rest of the pack yeah
2: no i i, I guess i can see that um yeah i, I think if you're going to stand up on stage, you want to show people that you're a lucky person to be doing that. And you're having a good time. It's for me, it's some of my best times are just, you know, trying to like, remember to be grateful about being able to do that. And it's like, you want to reflect, you know, show that in your performance that like, you're happy to be there and it's not like a chore and it's not, I get, if you have some sort of image or some something that you're trying to like represent but for us we want to show that we're enjoying what we're doing.
1: So I'd like to talk a little bit about the history of you actually learning to play. I'm a guitarist myself. I teach guitar full time. Some of the stuff that you and Luke do blows my mind, man. Like when did you first get a guitar and like start to actually learn power chords and you know blue scales or whatever like when was that for you?
2: Okay, so I've my my dad played guitar when he was like he was in bands in high school and this and that and he always had uh, his guitar he he kept it it's like a a 1965 Hofner it's like it's kind of like a E335 I think it kind of looks like like a thin semi hollow kind of uh, like bluesy jazzy kind of looking guitar Um, Which now happens to be mine when he passed away that got kind of passed down to me Uh, But that guitar was like he showed me how to play some bar chords and stuff like that Um, and then I Think it was when I was 12. I got a guitar for Christmas from him It's my own like a Fender Stratocaster Um, But to rewind back from there, it's like I've been playing piano since i was five so that was my first instrument uh and i did the royal conservatory for that um and the rule that my mom had was i had to do my grade eight conservatory that's the rule for all for all my brothers and my brother and my sister they had to do that too and they went further they went to like grade 10 but i was like i started getting into guitar and started hating piano and was just like piano's lame i want to rock mom <laughs> so it was kind of this like transition of like I don't know. I always felt like piano when I was like a teenager. Was like, it's a lame instrument and, I don't know, guitar's where it's at.
1: So do you still play piano? Because I, I hear stuff on the new record and on some of the other records. Did you play any of that stuff?
2: Yeah, so on the new record, I played one of the interludes and then one part in one of the songs and then we hired a session pianist to do some of the other stuff. Um, and then on some of the other records, like Uh, I'll usually play the interludes that I write. And then Luke's played some of the older stuff and he's got really, he's got really weird technique where he like plays with his like two fingers and does all this weird (laughs) wacky stuff, but you can shred it. Um, So, but yeah, back to guitar. So then, yeah, I guess I just started playing guitar. I took a little bit of guitar lessons. Um, Our original drummer, was learning to play guitar and then Luke kind of got a guitar and then Brody got a guitar and we all went to the same (laughs) guitar teacher.
1: Awesome, man.
2: And he would kind of put bands together at the end of the year for like the recital. We play like Foo Fighters and Green Day or whatever it was.
1: Was that the stuff that you were kind of into? I mean, like, cause you guys do have that shredder kind of metal thing, progressive thing going on. When did that enter in? Was it all kind of punk and like radio rock stuff at first?
2: yeah like it started i actually had a band before happy-go-lucky which became pth and it was with our drummer would play bass and then my neighbor played drums and we were like a power trio and we played like blink 182 and green day and stuff like that so yeah it was definitely the first stuff that i was learning was like blink green day offspring and then start. I, i remember we had a me first in the Gimme Gimme's cassette. And the drummer uh who was playing bass, he found that you could go line into his tape deck and it used to like a DI signal. And we'd learn some of those songs and just play along with the tape and kind of like take turns uh doing that. So yeah, it was it was mostly I guess preliminarily punk and that's where I'm trying to think what else that I I learned then. Yeah. Mostly that stuff. And then like, as I got into kind of like the epifat stuff. Yeah. um, Yeah. Just learning power chords and like punk strumming and, uh, and that was kind of the stuff we were writing. Like we, we had a a lot of material that thank God never got properly recorded and (laughs) released, but it was all kind of like pretty straightforward.
1: Punk. when did uh kind of the the harder edge shreddy kind of progressive stuff enter the picture because i mean that was all over the first record that was all over like uh the what was the what was the first like the ep the self-release thing what was that called these
2: yeah I, oh a calculated use of sound
1: yeah 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 um because i mean you guys have had that it's gotten tighter and it's gotten more progressive as time has gone on but you know, all the way back to then when you were literally like in high school or right out of high school, like it was, it was present there. So when did that kind of enter the picture? Was that those fat Epitaph bands that had the metal edge or were you listening to that other kind of stuff, that other kind of metal?
2: For sure. I think like, cause I'm thinking back even to like the first release we had, we recorded five songs and then took two of them to do a seven inch. And even some of that had like some really fast, like right hand, like palm beauty stuff. And like, kind of like riffy, like hammer on, pull off kind of stuff. So that definitely was coming from, yeah, like the metallic punk bands, like the Propagandis and No Use for a Name and lag Wagon and stuff like that. Um, So I think we kind of got our metal secondhand. Yeah. And then I think in into high school when I was about 15, I remember Rody had a, a Megadeth record and was getting into like Judas Priest. And so I think at that time I started listening to some of like late eighties, early nineties metal. And then was kind of also kind of getting into like new metal and hardcore, like bands like Unearth and Killswitch and Engage. And um, those were like the two main ones that I can think of. But yeah, there was kind of this transition from like out of punk into more y stuff. Uh, later into high school, and then they kind of all fused together, I think.
1: So are you like a theory guy? Because, I mean, I'll tell you, like, you can shred way better than I can. I mean, I think I'm pretty good And I watch you and Luke play, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not good at all. But I, I teach a lot of theory. That's kind of my thing. Like, you know, all the modes and chord theory and, and all this different stuff. Does that enter into the picture for you guys? Because when I listen to the band, some of the key changes, some of the, the polyrhythms, like... It just sounds like you guys know your instrument and know the songwriting craft so well, or is that just, do you stumble on it? Cause everybody I talk to on this show, I'm like, Oh, you sound like you're a theory head and then nobody knows any fucking theory. You know?
2: Yeah. That that's, I know that's your like guitar player question. Yeah. And it's like, I don't particularly use theory to write. I understand a lot of music theory. I took like general theory. Yeah and i also took some guitar courses and yeah and did some like just learning on my own uh so i think a lot of those things like the modes like different shapes and scales um were something that like i kind of learned and then i kind of unconsciously incorporated into riff and riff writing and definitely like chords and stuff like that i think I'm always aware of what key I'm in and what chords are kind of available. Um, So maybe if I get stuck, I'm just like, okay, I'm in this key. Let's try this progression. Let's try this. Let's try that. So sometimes I use it to kind of complete something I'm working on and kind of make it make sense. But I I do find it's kind of limiting because you feel like you have these rules that you have to stay. um, I
1: I like to use theory and I've talked about it on the show ad nauseum, you know, like, I don't use it when I'm riffing or when I'm like writing something and unless I need to just know, like, here are my chord selections. Where do I go next? I normally use it to maybe fix problems or to come up with like a place I can go on the bridge or or whatever. So I think that's kind of what you're talking about, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And there's like, there's like little tricks that I've definitely learned along the way. I know in one of the songs on the new record, uh, from the sky, the intro riff, um, Is this kind of like minor riff, and then at the end of the song, it comes back and it's modulated to like a major version of that riff? Yeah, so it's just like little things like that where you're like, That would be cool to do that, and then probably still figure it out by ear. You're not like, Okay, this is how you theoretically do it, and whatever, but it's just like, um, there's little certain tricks that. I've liked, and the the band has kind of collectively liked. And then, if it comes down to it, we have to kind of figure it out. Another is like uh, metric modulation, where it's like you're playing in one tempo, and you want to like switch to the, another tempo that's like relative. Yeah, but you you kind of have to like. I can't remember the calculation right now, but you have to figure out how the two tempos are related. You have to figure
1: out how they're related and figure out how you can jump from one to the other without completely destroying the the vibe and the groove.
2: Yeah, and usually, I think the way that I like to do it is like you play triplets in one tempo, and then you make the value of the triplet like an eighth note.
1: Okay, in the next tempo, yeah,
2: and it kind of like flows together. Um, So there's instances like that, but I'd say probably eighty. 80% 80% of the stuff is just like that sounds cool or that's a cool riff
1: and when when I had Chris Hanna on for Propagandi who like I I mean I'm their biggest fan like I I freaked out even talking to him it was probably my biggest fanboy episode I've ever had but yeah, yeah. I I just couldn't believe that the stuff he writes he just writes it like, there's no, like, he doesn't know this part goes into this part. So, like, when I ask people about this theory stuff, like, yeah, I use it when I need to. I can just sit and jam because that's how I learned how to write songs. That's how I learned how to play guitar. But yeah, I knew with you guys, there at least had to be a touch of that there because there's so much going on. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just the one thing I wanted to ask you about that is when I hear a protest the hero riff, like, even if I don't know what's going on, it comes on a playlist or whatever. I hear like the descending fast notes or whatever. Like, you guys definitely have kind of a protest the hero style of playing. Has anybody ever told you that before? Um, like, I can tell it's you guys when I hear a certain, yeah, that's I don't interesting. know if it's a melody selection or what it is, but there's definitely this thing of where you could play a band that people think kind of sound like you musically up against yours and like do the Pepsi challenge. And I would know which band was yours just from the wow. guitar work.
2: Yeah. Just from the riff, not from like, cause I was going to say with roadie, yeah. he's pretty easy to identify, but <laughs> yeah. that's it. That's interesting. No, i I don't know if I've heard that. I, um, no. Yeah. And I, I can't I'm put sure, my finger like,
1: on what it is. It's just like when you guys do those ascending or descending lines, it there's something about the way that you select the notes or there's something about, I don't know. It's like, and I don't want to give you a big head or anything, but like (laughs) when people talk about like slash, if you hear slash play a solo, you don't have to know it's slash. You just already know it's slash. Right. Sure. So when I hear protest, the hero, it's kind of that thing. Like, I have you guys on a bunch of playlists when I'm taking a shower or mowing the grass or whatever. And when it comes on, if I'm not like super familiar with the song, I already know it's you guys from the riff. And I just think that's, that's one of the coolest things you can be in a band is to have that identity, you know?
2: Yeah, no, that's interesting. I'm sure it comes down to, it's like, we probably have, you know, ten. A, a 10- 15 like different kind of patterns and tricks that we kind of mix in and out yeah and it's like they kind of come together and it's just like i know that like i kind of have my approach to most of my playing is like supporting luke's leads right so it's like i kind of have like three or four different options okay i'm gonna play this like muted pattern for a little while i'm gonna play these chords i'm gonna like arpeggiate something i'm gonna you know so maybe that's happened enough times that you've kind of subconsciously picked up on like oh these are how these instruments like to work together (laughs) and
1: well it's also like i can't i can't say that i can tell the difference like if i hear you play oh that's you instead of luke like how do you guys choose is it a writing thing like if you wrote the part you play it because i know you guys both do lead stuff you both do melodic stuff and then you both do rhythm stuff how is that kind of dealt out when you guys are writing a song
2: um i would say he does a majority of the leads and he tends to write mostly leads or like he'll write leads and rhythms too like and especially as as we kind of progress and our writing has evolved people are kind of coming to the table with a lot more here are the parts you know full scores of songs and parts and sections and stuff like that Um. And when recording Palimpsest, this was the first time that, like, we, instead of like someone doing their track and someone else doing their parts all the way through, like, if you are playing a riff and it's like doubled or harmonized, it's like that person would track both the riffs. Cause it's like, it was, it's more time effective and it's gonna, like, it's just impossible to, like, match up the nuances of like little bends and just the little things you do. Um, and that was suggested by our producer, who is also a guitar player. Um, and it's it just a an entirely different approach where you're just like, okay, this is my section, and I'm going to hammer out the guitar here and there. And it's um where in the past we'd kind of like, okay, these are your parts; you do all of your tracks, start to finish. I do all mine, and you kind of go through the entire song.
1: Did you guys um, like play? Live to get the drum tracks, or did you guys just have the bass or the guitars playing with like scratch tracks to get the drums? How did that go down?
2: So, we did guitars first. Um, so, uh, we had, uh, I guess like MIDI drums to like track along to. Okay. And then, I guess, bass and drums were kind of bass was done like separately. The guy played bass, recorded his bass too so I think bass was maybe done before drums and then drums were done after and he played along to the actual recorded tracks.
1: Oh, so you guys went in and did stuff to, to like program drums and then your drummer played along to everything at the end? Yeah. That's awesome, man. And the idea, he
2: was supposed to actually go after vocals, but the idea was we always would do drums first. Yeah, yeah. But the idea was it's a lot harder like, to change drums if you don't like something. Yeah when you kind of get far like if it was rubbing with the vocals or if it was rubbing against some of the riffs it's like it's easier to be like while you're recording and hey try a different beat there or like chill out on the kick drum or you know less fills or whatever it is
1: uh, i think that's a great way to do it because yeah like you just said in, any good recording experience i've ever had sometimes the drums can interfere with like something you had in your head as a melody or whatever and you it's a lot I guess it would be cooler to be able to change the drums than have to like change what you're doing vocally or guitar wise around the drums, right?
2: Yeah. And ex- especially like a lot of the time we have like kick drum syncing up with rhythms. So, you know, if, if Mike, our drummer, has all the rhythms there and we're just like, okay, that's the rhythm, like, you know, lock into it instead of like us being like, oh, he played that part wrong. Now we got to change what we're doing. Yeah. It's probably a control thing, and he's the newest <laughs> member in the band, so we're just like, this is how it goes, buddy.
1: <laughs> he's the Jason Newstead of Protest the Hero.
2: Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly.
1: Speaking of that, I mean, I, I bring it up on the show. You you seem like you've listened to some of the episodes. I'm a huge Metallica fan. That's kind of a big part of why I play guitar. Were you into the old-school Metallica stuff? Was that a part of your life?
2: Yeah, I was, I was into it. I was going to say not to the extent that, that you were? Yeah,
1: probably from what, not from
2: what I hear. Um but yeah, I definitely uh Master of Puppets was big for me. Um and learning those riffs, you know, you know some of those songs and you know everyone knows Under Sandman as like <laughs> one of the first like metal riffs you you learn. Mm-hmm. Um but but yeah, definitely I like I feel like I was kind of late to the game with it just because like not that they were past their heyday, but it's just like, you know, they were just a band that I I, I really liked. I, I definitely was a huge fan of the Symphony and Metallica record.
1: There's a new one coming out August 28th, uh, S&M 2. Oh. oh, wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, and that's cool. I like how kind of these tangents bring me back to you guys because the one thing that I really like on some of the tracks on the new record is the orchestra. Like there's orchestration and I'm sure some of that's, Maybe you guys had people come in, a quartet or whatever, or maybe it's, it's computer-generated, whatever. You guys are a perfect band that could do that S&M kind of thing, playing with an orchestra. Has there ever been talk of that? I mean, I know it's a pretty big undertaking, but is that something you guys would be into doing?
2: Oh, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. Um, yeah, I guess it's a matter of organizing that and you know maybe convincing whoever the symphony is that it's, it's worth their time and effort. Um but, but yeah, definitely with this new record, we had uh, a good friend of ours who uh went to school for kind of orchestration. Uh we kind of just sent him all the songs and said go nuts on it. And it's a mixture of uh like MIDI sounds and actually we had a string quartet come in and he he and a guy played cello as well. But yeah, like now more than ever, it seems like those sections are kind of there and he might be the key to kind of making something like that happen.
1: Well, I mean, you know, no effects just did the thing at red rocks where they played the whole decline with an orchestra. I don't know if you've checked that out, but you need to check that out. And the whole, yeah, I don't think it's, well, it, dude, I don't it's, it it's amazing. It's amazing. I just had smelly on from no effects a couple of weeks ago. And the whole idea was this guy, this kid was a big, no effects fan. He loved the decline. And he was also like this, like conductor guy of an entire orchestra and they got together in Colorado and they did it, man. They, they, it's so good. They just released it too. you. You can watch the video online if you want, but I just think there's, I think any band could probably sound cool with an orchestra, but you guys have so many, like I said, the, the time changes and, and everything that goes into one of your songs, I think, you know, plus listening to the new record with that stuff in there, I think you guys—it's like I said—it's a huge undertaking, but you could be one of those bands that I think would benefit from doing that. I think, and I think there'd be an orchestra that would probably take it on. Like, was there a big orchestra in Toronto somewhere?
2: Yeah, there's a Toronto Symphony Orchestra. I don't, I don't know. Let's let's make the call right,
1: right now, man. Let's let's do it. Let's hook you guys up. Yeah, no, for
2: sure. Um, and I think with actually with symphonies, they're dying to get young people in those seats. You know, they yeah. they're, their audience is a bunch of blue hairs. You know, sixty five plus. <laughs> So uh, I know they're always trying to do cool things, especially the Toronto Symphony. They were doing like Star Wars. They had like the whole series of Star Wars stuff and like, you know, just trying to get young people interested. So I think having...
1: You guys should look into that, man. I don't have any poll or anything. I just think it would be a really cool thing to do.
2: I want you to look into it.
1: (laughs) I'll look into it. I'm going to help you guys out. I'll see who Uh, I know in Toronto. Tell me when you
2: got the contract.
1: I'm going to get on the phone and go, yes, uh, Toronto Orchestra. I'm Chris Swinney. (laughs) I am an honorary Canadian.
2: (laughs) First of all, I'm an honorary Canadian.
1: (laughs) We got to get PTH in there, man. Okay, so uh, one thing you did, we were talking the other night, and you were like, you should check this out. And you sent me a video of you falling off the stage. Now, was that? Was it was in Russia or somewhere. Where was that at?
2: Yeah, I was in Saint Petersburg. Saint
1: Petersburg, awesome city. Did you enjoy Russia while you were there?
2: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Oh, for sure.
1: What was? Uh, what, I think were you like you took somebody's like camera or something, and you were like trying to get your pictures for him out of the crowd. So like, walk me through what happened because it was. At first, it was like I was totally scared for you. I thought you died, but then Rody made yeah. a joke, and then you got back on stage, and everything was okay. So, walk me through that whole situation, man.
2: Yeah, okay. Um, so, first of all, what I'd like to say is like, I put videos on YouTube of like, here's me playing a song on piano, here's me p- eating pizza, and playing guitar, and me falling off stage has far surpassed <laughs> the amount of views that I get on like me performing. <laughs> So, um, maybe I should do that more often, but basically there's the song we were playing. It's called blindfolds aside. And there's a break where it's just like, um, Brody singing in the bass tapping. Yeah. And I saw a guy with a selfie stick and a GoPro on a selfie stick. So I walked to the front of the stage. I was like, Hey, throw that up here and I'll get some good footage for you, buddy. So he, he gives me the selfie stick and I'm walking around. I go up and like put it in our drummer's face and like put it in our bassist's face And I had like 30 seconds to do this because my part's coming up. I had to join in. So I go to give it back to him and I tripped over the monitor and there was a barricade there, but there was like no security or anything. And I did a flip over the monitor and there was like a bar that connected the barricade to the stage. I landed on my back on the bar and then like fell down. It was like a six foot drop.
1: So you were were okay? The guitar was okay?
2: I broke my wireless because I landed right on my wireless pack. And then something happened with my input jack on my guitar. Um, So I got up and Rody was laughing at me. We were all kind of, I think I was pretty high on adrenaline too, just because I was like, what the hell just happened? And then one of the people in one of the opening bands brought me a guitar and got it tuned up and we were able to finish the set or whatever that's awesome I just think so it, yeah i was pretty pretty unscathed like i had a cut on my leg and a big red mark on my back but.
1: i just thought it was hilarious because you're like we're setting everything up and you're like hey man you should check this out we'll talk about it on the program <laughs> but dude i mean i think everybody has a story like that maybe not all of them are immortalized on youtube but i mean i know i've fallen off the stage uh, I got sick one time and threw up in a trash can during the break in my my lead part, and then came back right after I was done. Like that stuff happens, <laughs> sure. and I I just don't think it's always caught on tape or on film. Right? Not even film. Probably on a cell phone.
2: <laughs> the thing I'm most disappointed for after the show, I found the guy and I was like, "Is your camera okay?" And I was like, "Can you please send me the footage from like." Your camera, so I get the perspective.
1: <laughs> your, your and he point never did. That's hilarious. I was like, I
2: want that footage of like this is what I was seeing.
1: <laughs> well, we have listeners in Russia, so if you're listening to this, you're in Russia, and you have that footage, send it to Tim. You can send it to my email, tototpodcast.com dot com, and I will forward it to Tim. Perfect. <laughs> so you were talking about you know the input jack on your guitar. Um, that kind of leads me into asking you about guitars, like. I remember the, you know, Blindfolds Aside video and, and all those different videos at the beginning. I always seemed that you were playing ESPs. And hmm. I think I've seen you play some Ibanez stuff. I know Luke plays Ibanez. Recently, I've seen you playing Keisel stuff. Now, are you actually like endorsed? You're endorsing them now?
2: Yeah. No, I, yeah, I'm a Keisel artist. Um, we were on tour with August Burns Red. I love those
1: guys. JB was on the yeah. show a while back. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're awesome guys, and uh, I believe their bass player, he has Kiesel Basses, and we were in San Diego, and Jeff and some of the guys were coming out to the show, and he just introduced me, and kind of since then, they've hooked me up, and it's been a pretty great relationship. I love the guitars. I've I've got two uh, custom guitars built, and I also got an acoustic from them, and it's like all the guitars have been beautiful. They play amazing um so yeah they're definitely you know some of the best guitars i've i've ever played and I, I, i've never really done too much with like custom work so it's such a treat that like every guitar it's like you get to pick and choose everything yeah that you so it's like it's nice where it's like in the past you know when you're working with companies getting guitars and having that relationship is amazing but i've never just had like okay this is what we have this is what's available. You know, make make your dream guitar.
1: I know that Luke like has a signature series. Are do you have one of those yet? Or are they thinking about doing that, or are you just doing custom stuff for yourself?
2: Yeah, we haven't really talked about that. I think that's probably a pretty far way off for me. Um, you know, I think I'm pretty low on the totem pole of artists uh, that that get. I'd love to do it, um, but. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's a new relationship. Um, I definitely I feel like I need to be have more of an online presence. I'm not great with social media, and I'm trying to get better at like just making videos of me playing guitar and doing stuff like that to try to like yeah to just show it's like yeah I, I love your products and I want to showcase myself using it, not just to be like an advertisement for you, <laughs> but just to be like thankful and be like this guitar is fucking amazing
1: do you prefer like are you using uh like active pickups passive pickups what's your setup like on your guitar
2: yeah it's just uh passive pickups it's uh the kiesel pickups i think on the latest one i got it was the greg howe ones um i can't remember exactly what they have they have a few different pickups that they make in-house um but, yeah, I've always used those. I've never been a huge fan of active pickups. I used uh, the Fishman pickups for a while, and I really like those. Those are, I guess, kind of active, but kind of they're kind they're of just... a,
1: They're kind of a hybrid. You're talking about the Fluence Fishman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, but yeah, yeah, uh, see I'm weird, man. Like, I love passive stuff. Like, I love the Seymour Duncan stuff, but I'm an ESP guy. And, I mean, I've got some, some EC-1000s that have the passive stuff. And then I've also, I love the EMGs. Like it's only, it's good for certain stuff. Like I I wouldn't say I'd always play EMG stuff, but I kind of go back and forth between the two. So the fluence is a really good idea for me, but I, I mean, the stuff that you guys do, do you feel like maybe the passive, do you get more clarity through the passive stuff?
2: I guess so. I've just always liked it. Um, To be honest, I've never I've never had a guitar with EMGs. All my ESPs, they always had Duncans in them. And I I always liked the way it sounded. And, you know, I, I don't feel like, especially more recently, like I feel like I've been trying to dial back the gain a little bit. So it's like not super, super high gain. And I try to like to have a little bit more clarity from, you know, the entire neck, you know, trying to play chords that incorporate four or five, six notes, maybe and not just kind of chugging on most stuff so um yeah i have just found that it works for me i like the way it sounds
1: so uh you have this company i wanted to make sure that i mentioned it ii I. music can you tell me a little bit about that and what kind of stuff you guys do
2: yeah um so the the name ii music it comes from it was something that like when we did volition we put out in Canada we put it out on ii music and that was something i believe roadie came up with it but the ii is
1: that animal um, right with the big eyes yeah it's like
2: a nocturnal animal and it has a really long middle finger yeah that it uses to like tap the the wood to like get bugs and it was our idea because we felt like we were giving the finger to the music industry (laughs) that's awesome Yeah, we said uh it has really long middle fingers but um so, I kind of wanted to run with this idea. Um, it's a little bit confusing for people because it's like mostly a bookkeeping and business management uh, company and I, my focus is on uh, working with musicians, bands, and people in the music industry um, but I also kind of use it as my company for anything like personal that I do music related as well so it's kind of this mishmash of whatever um, but uh throughout the career of the band, I've always been the band dad and the guy that collected the money and went to the bank. And that when we got a tour manager, I was the person that would like liaison with the tour manager and our business manager. And I was always the guy just kind of overseeing all the financial side of the band. Uh, And for a really long time, I was really frustrated with like, uh, not understanding like i would see the band make money and then i would see money that i get paid from the band and it always felt like it was way less than it it should be and i just felt like i didn't understand it and now i kind of understand how much it costs to like run a business and like when you're an owner you know way less usually trickles through and um but it just took a really long time of like having different accountants and feeling like they weren't proactively like helping to us make financial decisions. It was always in our court to make all the financial decisions and I didn't always feel particularly qualified to be doing that. Um, so eventually I just started learning how to do it and now um, I do all the bookkeeping for Protest the Hero. So I'm the bookkeeper and then we have a guy who's also in the band, but an accountant. He, he's like our overall business manager. But it kind of came to that thing where it's like these guys can't fucking do it then i'll learn how to do it and i'll do it myself um but that kind of led to me um i was working a job with a record label doing uh the books for uh two or three of the bands that they had on the label um and you know i like doing it but i just have never been able to work for someone else and always want to work for myself and do that so i was able to to leave there but also bring the clients with me to continue to do their books and it's just i kind of have a specialty in understanding how the industry works and how to you know musicians kind of have a bad track record of not being good with their finances and keeping good records of it so i wanted to be someone who could help uh kind of make it easier on them while still kind of like being involved in that side and not just being a standard accountant that's like, here's your financial statements at the end of the year. This is all the money you made. This is all the money you spend. Have fun.
1: And if people want to check that out, I think it's, it's ii music. It's a, a Y E, a Y E music.net. Correct.
2: Yeah. Dot com. Dot com. Okay, cool.
1: I, for some reason, I thought it, I have it written on my notes as .net, but .com I should have put .ca. I feel like I let Canada down with that one. <laughs> no, man. Now people won't even know you're based in Canada. That's how they can yeah. tell right off the bat. Yeah. No, exactly. That's, that's true. And you're taking new clients and stuff. So if anybody's interested, they can check that out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, I tell you what, we're getting down to the wire on this. Uh, we'd like to keep it around an hour. I do have some listener questions if you wouldn't mind answering. Yeah, no problem. Okay. So I tell the people to tell me where they're from, but Mikey did not. So I'm just going to say Mikey from Instagram. He lives in Instagram world. He said, what was said at the end of the song hair trigger? I guess maybe there was like a sample or something on that song. I'm not sure. Can I listen to it? If you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. (laughs) Let me just (laughs) bring it up. This is, this is awesome. It's never happened. We're actually doing some research on the program right now.
2: Hey, there is, we were really into roadie. got really into insane clown posse.
1: Oh, really? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and there was some like jokes with that, but I don't know. If, hold on one second.
1: Okay, cool. So Tim is, is listening to the song hair trigger right now to find out for Mike, Mikey from Instagram. What was said at the end of hair trigger? We'll see if he knows. It might be an insane clown posse reference. I hope it isn't. No, okay. <laughs> you know what it is. This is
2: just this is just totally a guess. But just remembering what where we were at in our lives. I remember like Rhodey got really interested in Juggalos and just like that whole culture. <laughs> but not like not like I like this band. But it's really fascinating that this exists. Oh yeah, it's and very fascinating Yeah, yeah. And then I think it says something like, guess what, we're fucking juggalos now. (laughs) That would be my guess.
1: Well, I I tell you what, I'm going to, at the end of this, I'm going to play a song off the new record, but I'll play Hair Trigger too, just so people can kind of draw their own conclusions.
2: Yeah, but I do think it, it was some sort of shout out to the juggalo community and giving them our undying respect
1: awesome man you guys need to perform at the gathering of the juggalos in detroit
2: oh my god that'd be insane
1: (laughs) get fago sprayed all over you and everything that'd be awesome okay so mikey from instagram thank you so much for your question man uh totally to
2: disappoint you
1: icp related i guess we'll blame roadie on that one uh christopher from illinois he said what is your favorite video that you've been involved with because you guys always do really cool videos i love uh I don't know if it's blindfolds aside or if it's which which one was where it was like the the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. I love oh, that
2: K- heretics and killers. Heretics
1: and killers. I love that video. What was your Christopher from Illinois wants to know what your favorite video was you've done.
2: I would say uh, the video for the song Underbite. Okay. Um, the reason is because we got a bunch of paper puppets made, and it's totally uh, it's about this fake band called, uh, insert name here. And it's about like us going to see them and like going to a concert. And it's just like, it was really cool because it was a pretty low budget video and we were involved in doing the puppeting and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it, but it was like a pretty cool project and I felt like I was really involved in it.
1: I think there's some behind the scenes stuff on the documentary too. We should probably plug the documentary. I'm sure if they go to your website, they can, they can figure out how to do that. But that documentary is great, man. I, I love how in depth that is. And it shows from you guys starting the band through, you know, I think Volition was the the record you were recording on that doc, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, no, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm really proud of that, that documentary. I, I always feel like I wish I could get it on a Netflix or a prime or something. I feel like it's a really good story. Maybe I'm biased because it's about me and my buds, um, but but yeah, I feel like it, it was really cool. And yeah, it's on VHX. I hope it's on our website, um, but you can probably just search. It's called "Of Our Own Volition."
1: Awesome. And I think there is some behind the scenes stuff where you guys are doing the puppets. It's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was really cool.
1: Well, Christopher from Illinois, thank you so much for that question. I have one more listener question. Willie from the United Kingdom, he wants to know, what are some of your favorite bands that you've toured with?
2: Oh, well, we had the honor, absolute honor to tour with Propagandi, which that was like a dream come true. And it was, you know, definitely one of my favorite bands of all time. And then all of a sudden we were in the UK and we were thrown together on a bus with them. So that was pretty crazy just for like me being like, this is one of my childhood bands and still one of the bands that I love everything they do. Um, I think another one that was fun was we toured with dragon force. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> in 2005 or two, it was their first U S tour ever. And we shared a bus with them, but just they were, they're were very nice to us and hilarious people. and. <laughs> We we got booed a lot and got like shit thrown at us. It was very like we weren't the right fit for them being like this very like internet crazy (laughs) metal band.
1: Um, They're they're very triumphant. All their songs are like major key stuff. They're very oh yeah,
2: absolutely. Like
1: it's, it's everything's very uplifting. You know?
2: Yeah. No, for sure. But I feel like that was 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 a really fun fun tour to be on. We've been lucky. We've been able to tour with a lot of great bands.
1: Well, that's awesome. Willie from the UK. Thank you so much for your question. And I got to say, man, uh, I've had you on the phone for a while. I know you've got a dinner that you've got to get to. So I'm going to (laughs) say, I'm going to cut it here, but I would love for you to come back for a part two, if that's cool with you, man.
2: Anytime, Chris.
1: Awesome. Well, I've had a blast, you know, with this pandemic and everything that we've talked about, that's caused bands to kind of have an uncertain future. You have a new record out, we don't know when all this stuff's going away, but do you guys have plans right now for anything in the future? Are we doing videos for the new record? Or are you doing anything at all?
2: Uh, absolutely not. We're just moving on to the next record. <laughs> um, we we would love to do some shows, um, but it, we're just, we're not making up any decisions about that. But when, when the time comes, hopefully we can get out and play some of the songs. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, I think we're just going to, focus on what we're all doing now we might just kind of keep on writing it especially since the record took two and a half years so like from recording and including writing it's probably closer to three years so it's not that we're over the songs but like it's not out of the question to like start working on new songs
1: yeah that's cool you guys do like a? didn't you do a thing before where you released like a song every month or something like that
2: oh yeah that was a nightmare
1: <laughs> yeah i think R- Rody told me about how like you get this time crunch cause you've got to get it done and like the songs were good and it was fun, but it was just a little bit too much. Right.
2: Yeah. It was definitely a cool, a cool approach to writing because we're really bad with deadlines. And like, if we don't have pressure, we won't do it. Yeah. So that being considered, I like, I'm proud of all those songs. I think they turned out really great um it just as we went on the first couple songs we had a lot of time to do and then it was just like oh shit (laughs) we had to do it but it was it was cool yeah we wanted to do a subscription we thought it was cool the idea of like getting a magazine in the mail every month we thought it'd be cool to give someone something and that's where the documentary came from too if you got the second tier you get an episode and a song every month for six months
1: well, see, man, we haven't even scratched the surface. We have so much stuff to talk about, but I'm going to let, so let you go get your dinner. I'm going to get out of here. We'll have you back really soon for a part two. Last thing I will ask, you know, you've got iimusic.com, uh, Sheet Happens. Is it SheetHappens.com? SheetHappensPublishing.com. Publishing.com. Is there anything else you would like to plug so that people can check it out? Stuff that you guys are doing. Is it ProtestTheHero.com is the website, correct?
2: .ca. Someone stole our.com. Oh, wow. And then tried to sell it back to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we're .ca. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the main things going on in my life.
1: I'll make, um, I'll make sure that it's all in the show notes and everything so everybody can check it out too.
2: Yeah, no, I'm not a big guy on socials. I just dip the toe back in and I have like a, a personal Facebook account. Um, but I, I'm trying to build up my my social media presence. So maybe I'll be on Instagram one day shredding the gnar playing tinkle tinkering the ivories a
1: little bit eating pizza the Uh entire time pizza yeah
2: (laughs) yeah hitting dingers that's the last video i posted on facebook was me with this like batting machine hitting baseballs
1: awesome man well i had a blast today i I love talking to a fellow guitarist and nerding out about stuff so thank you very much i will have you back very very soon tell roadie and everybody i said what's up the new record is amazing and uh I can't wait to have you back, man. Thank you so much for your time today.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, man. I've been a fan. It's an honor to be on.
1: Awesome, man. Well, I will talk to you very soon. Have an excellent evening and enjoy your dinner.
2: All right. Take care, buddy.
1: (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye, man. See ya. So there it was, my conversation with Tim from Protest the Hero. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Make sure to check out their new record, Palimpsest, out now on all the streaming sites. And go pick up some vinyl over at protestthehero.ca. It is such a good record. You guys are going to thank me. You're going you're gonna to call the hotline and you're going to say, Chris, I was having a really bad day because of the quarantine and the, the virus and all this stuff. And I went and I streamed Palimpsest from Protest the Hero. And now I have a smile on my face and my day's perfect. That's really going to happen, I swear. So go on, check that out. Get some vinyl. Like I said, it looks really cool. They've got all kinds of different variants and everything over at protestthehero.ca. That is it for this week. Thank you so much for coming back. Every week, the show is growing exponentially, and it's all because of you awesome folks out there listening and spreading the word and telling people. That's a perfect way to help us out. You're all on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Share it. Tell people to check out the show. If you think people like, you know, independent music, punk rock, metal, hardcore, whatever, ska, whatever, they'll probably enjoy the show. So tell them to check it out and they can go find all of the information at TOTOTpodcast.com. And while you are there, the people that you tell to go there or you yourself, you need to go sign up for our mailing list so you can know every time a new episode drops, you can know about contests and all kinds of cool stuff that we have going on. We do have a current contest right now where you can win a copy, a signed copy of Vinny from Less Than Jake's new book, 619. We were going to choose a winner yesterday. But I'm going to extend it a little bit because I had some people that were like, can we still, they actually, they hit me up like right before I started doing this intro and I I was getting ready to pick the winner and that, can we still sign up? Can we still sign up? So I'm going to give you guys another week. So if you want to win a copy of Vinny's new book, 619, all you have to do is review the show on whatever podcast catcher you use, screenshot the review, email it to me at T or T O T O T podcast at gmail.com or a cooler way is just post it on social media and tag us so we can check it out and you will be entered. And next week I'm going to pick three winners to get signed copies of Vinny's new book, Six Nineteen. So you can still do it. I'm giving you guys an extra week to do it because I had a lot of people want to sign up at the last minute. So I'm going to let you guys in. So if you want to do it, it's still open for another week win a copy of Vinny's new awesome book 619. Okay. So I'm going to jump out of here, but before I do a couple things, shout outs to everybody at sound talent media podcast network, the new network. I'm stoked. Uh, I see some really good things in the future working with those guys. So many great podcasts on the network. Like I said, check them out. You can get them over at soundtalentmedia.com or on all the socials at STMPodcast. Thank you guys so much once again for, for letting me be a part of this amazing network. I appreciate it. And once again, shout out to Sarah over at Road Dog Supply for all the awesome artwork for the episodes and for doing a stellar, 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 awesome kick-ass job on the new website, tototpodcast.com. I love you guys. It's late. I'm getting ready to go to sleep, but not before I play some awesome music from Protest the Hero. So, we're going to kick things off with Rivet, which is on the new record I've talked so much about, Palimpsest. You're going to love it. And after Rivet, I'm going to follow it up with the song we spoke about that had the Juggalo ICP connection, Hair Trigger. So, I love you guys. Hit me up on the socials. This is Chris. See you next week. Peace. Once I built a railroad, I made
0: it run I made it race against time Once I built a railroad, but now it's done Brother, can you spare a dime?